0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast, where we discuss all sorts of things Germanic heathenry related. My name is Jesse. I am your host. Let's get into it. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast. Thanks so much for coming back here and seeing what we ramble on about today. Um, As you've noticed here recently, we have kind of branched off from the beaten path, as it were, kind of gone off the beaten path into some territory that is not typical for heathen conversations, but somehow we always find commonalities nuances and things that can just, you know, wrap things up in a... in in this podcast, in a way, so we're not entirely veering off the the heathen topics, um, but today's episode is going to be very much central centralized around things that mean a lot to us as heathens. We're going to be talking today with a guest. His name is uh, Bradley, and he he hit me up on Facebook and um asked about ancestry specifically, um, which of course for all of us as, as heathens, you know, our, our views on ancestor veneration, I think, can can pretty much be summed up as everybody that is heathen uh, has a place for the importance of ancestor veneration in their practices. Some people may do it a little bit differently. Some people may have different uh, perspectives, but the concept, the idea of ancestor veneration is an important one that many heathens worldwide do share. And we're going to be talking today with Bradley because he asked me this question about the uh, how far back do we go with our ancestors? You know, it, it's it's a thing that we hear all the time, right? I've said it many times about um, may your ancestors continue to notice you. Um, I sign off all of my podcasts with that phrase. Um, so it bears the question, which ancestors would we even want to notice us? Do we recognize any and all of our ancestors as far back as we possibly can? And kind of what that, you know... Uh, how that, or or rather how that uh, fits into individual practices, maybe group practices. Um, So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to see what Bradley's thoughts are. We're going to hear, of course, what my thoughts are and talk about DNA ancestry. How far back do we actually go? Um, So we're going to be bringing him in here shortly. Before we do, please be sure to give this video, if you're watching this on the video platforms, a like, thumbs up. Um, interact with it in some way. Follow me on all of the socials that are linked in the Linktree link in the description and show notes of this podcast. And uh, wherever you're catching this podcast, if it's just an audio version, uh, do be sure to follow. You know, Upvote it, uh, download it, all of those types of things. The way that you interact on those platforms does help with the growth of the podcast. The more ears and eyes that we get here on this uh, on this platform or these platforms, the better. So let's welcome in Bradley who, again, is going to be talking with me today about our ancestors and just how far back do we actually go. All right, folks. Well, so I am joined here today with a, a Facebook friend of mine's name is Bradley, um, who has been a heathen for I'm not sure how long, but welcome to the show, Bradley. Thanks for, for joining me today.
1: Great to be on here after lots of listening to episodes and actually being on one now.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. How long have you been listening or, or following the podcast?
1: Probably about the last 2 years now I've been listening off and on. Uh, my job I do a lot of, I have a lot of time to listen things so anything I can find that even related and decent really kind of helps move the night along.
0: Okay cool. Well I appreciate the, the 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 support, you know. It's nice to know that there's people Where are you located by the way if you don't mind? Um... Uh,
1: up in the very very northeastern corner of Oklahoma so I'm pretty much right against kansas missouri and oklahoma
0: okay i used to travel a lot for a job in the in my uh, i used to do like prisoner transports and one thing about i uh oklahoma kansas missouri that whole area is there there ain't a whole lot going on
1: no <laughs> no it's pretty, it's pretty remote yeah especially where the town i'm in we're still we're in the edge of the Ozarks, so we're a little bit better there's some hills trees things like that but yeah, you go west at all, and it's just this is flat flat and empty. Yeah. Is
0: that where you're originally from?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've had family in essentially the town I live in or the small surrounding towns for probably five or six generations now. Okay, wow. Yeah, there's a small cemetery near here. I can go back, and I think the oldest is great, great, great grandparent at that one, so.
0: Wow. I've not I can't think of too many people that I know in my life or I've talked to who can say that like they're they're in the same vicinity the same general area as that many of their ancestors are from like a lot of people myself included have you know like uprooted and moved away from where they were born and raised you know and found a life somewhere else Um, so that's pretty that that's pretty amazing that that not just you but People that far back in your lineage have uh, stayed in the same, same area. There's a lot of history there, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. For I your that, families.
1: That small cemetery, there's a whole section just dedicated pretty much to people I'm related to. It's a small country cemetery. But, yeah, so it's it's really kind of an experience to go out there and take the kids out there, too. It is, you know, away from the city, out in the country, and they'd be able to just kind of walk them down the line like, well, this is my grandparents, this is their parents, on and off. But I do have ancestors more far flung in uh Colorado and then some more out of Missouri. Okay. And then from there, France.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. So you you your your uh, European ancestry is is a lot of French.
1: Uh, yeah, let's see, my, on my mother's side, her grandparents came here from France, and then they're okay. the ones where uh, they're buried in Colorado, and then on my father's side, there's a lot of uh, Irish, German, uh, Northern English, like, right in the borders kind of Scotland and England there, hmm. and then, uh, uh, oh, totally other side of the the ocean, uh, I have a uh, White Mountain Apache heritage, too.
0: Apache. Okay. Yeah. You might be the first person that I know in my, uh, that that is that has claimed uh, Apache uh, as their indigenous background. Most people that I have come across living where I live uh, always uh, have Cherokee. Yeah. Oh. Uh, ancestry. Well, you know. <laughs>
1: here in Miami, where I live, I mean, this is uh, I think technically one of the Cherokee reservations. So yeah, there's yeah. a ton of that, but you know. I think it's Fort Sill where they moved uh, the Apache mm-hmm. to and that's where Geronimo's buried. And so that's where that branch of my ancestry kind of started in Oklahoma and moved up to this area.
0: Interesting. Very cool. And um, have you been heathen your whole life or did you come into this through another path or another way?
1: So I've been heathen for about 12, it's 12 years now. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, this past April, so it's twelve years now. Before that, I was just kind of a, a at least as early as you know, a little kid understands religion. Uh, I was kind of, I guess, eclectic pagan would have been the right term for it. You know, I knew I believed that there were gods, that there were spirits, uh, that there was you know, a magic and things like that. But living in small town Oklahoma, really, before you had access to the internet you were kind of you know trying to teach yourself off scrap so you Mm -hmm. couldn't really be super focused on like i can be now with you know uh, more norse reconstruction it was a well i have this mythology book on celtic war uh here's a little bit of something from a wiccan spell book i can maybe read (laughs) it was just a, a hodgepodge of what you could actually get your hands on
0: interesting yeah and I can't imagine that rural town Oklahoma has uh, or had a, a really extensive uh, library of, of source material to
1: no to tap into
0: <laughs> right <laughs> no,
1: it, it was for, I, your your best shot was to just go and look at stuff purely from a mythological standpoint say like well okay mm-hmm. here's a book of myths which is which is obviously useful and informative and I I love mythology on its own but trying to build any kind of worldview or practice from just that especially when you're you know 10 11 12 is Mm. kind of a challenge
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I don't think you can really use the mythology to formulate worldviews no you you have to understand the, the the culture of the people and uh, you know, see things from a societal standpoint versus a, a mythological standpoint, you know?
1: It's very much putting the cart before the horse. That's mm. why I'm telling people, you know, like, oh, well, I, you know, I don't know anything, but I've got, you know, some Eddas and things like that. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's yeah. It's going to be great stories. They're going to be very interesting. You know, you're going to enjoy them, but there's a lot of contextualization, things like that that are just totally either gonna go over your head or you're going to take in a very different way than it might have been originally like
0: yeah yeah i think i think you're right you know because the myths are are, are framed around how the 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 cultures lived and and how these people viewed the world you know so the stories are are based around that and without knowing that first or, or having an understanding of that you're like you said putting that cart before the horse and i've said this too for a long time is like people are uh that that, that just seems to be the thing y'all uh, when when people get asked "Oh, what, what should i start reading how many comments do you see on your social media that it's like one of the first things people always say is is get the pros out ed- or read the poetic edda yep it's always
1: the so edda like, yeah. you
0: know oh yeah yeah they look like think... good
1: oh i was just gonna say i think part of that is a because like i said they're they're very readable, you know. They're meant to be stories that are told and enjoyed around a campfire, and you know, people can pick those up and read them. And you know, like I said, you might be missing the contextualization, but you can still go, well, that was a fun story. I enjoyed reading that. Whereas as I, if I say, you know, well, here's the culture of the Teutons, or you know, the the one-eyed god, these very dry, very scholarly works. You know, someone who's not used to that, they just kind of you know, it can be a real just challenge for them. And then also just availability, you know. I mean I can go to any big chain bookstore usually and find copies of the Eddas. Whereas those other books, you either aren't going to find them or you're gonna have to look online and half the time there's you know, some of them aren't cheap and that Exactly. You know, whereas Eddas you can, like I said, go to a local bookstore, ten bucks, have a copy.
0: Yeah, I recently shared, um, like my recommended reading list. Some of the books that you mentioned already are on that list, and uh, but good luck trying to find some of them. Yeah, or I- you know, if you do find it, be ready to drop some serious change to own a copy. Yeah,
1: I mean, know? For anymore if, if I'm my recommended book list I make sure that I have PDFs where or physical copies I can loan out either one so I can say well try to get it if you can't you know if it's just not viable for you, whether it mm-hmm. be you know, cost of entry availability, I will find a way to get it and, yeah. you know, I can't help you you know I can't make you read it once I give it to you right. <laughs> but I can at the very least get it into your hand.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned a thing earlier that uh, folks on that have followed the podcast, I'm sure are aware of. And I've said it many times about the type of pagan that I am or the heathen that I am is you mentioned being a Norse reconstructionist. Yeah. Um. So would you consider yourself a, a reconstructionist heathen?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't take quite a, a super like hard line on it as some people I've seen where, you know, it's. Perfect yeah the remote.
0: hardcore recons yeah
1: yeah uh it's one of those things i always remind myself i can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good you know? hmm. because i always view it as for me as a in reconstruction uh when you're building a home you need a good foundation but you also still have to build the home on top of it yeah so for me, the reconstruction part is all about creating that good solid foundation at the same time, I also have to have Perth, Cult, UPG, things like that, which is the actual house I'm going to live on, live in, that I have to build on top of that. And, you know, you can't always, you know, the foundation and the house aren't going to be identical. They're parts of each other. But...
0: Right. Yeah, not everybody's house is the same.
1: Yeah. You know, it's going to be different. You might both have similar foundations, you know, Hmm. but the house you build on it, it's and even that's going to have similarity, But at the end of the day, it's still got to be your house.
0: I like that analogy, you know, using the the reconstruction aspects of this as the foundation to build your uh, house on. And I like how you mentioned also hearth cult um, because, you know, when I first came into heathenry almost, uh, I'd say almost nine years ago, so I'm a little behind you on on the the, the the time frame i came into this path from being christian before you know what i mean so when you want to talk about like worldviews um you know this path has 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 a worldview that is very different from a christian worldview so it was like repro- get, having to be, be reprogrammed in a way yeah. um and you don't learn that stuff from the edis you know you don't get that um, that, that 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 level of information from from the eddas like you said so did you have something similar with you i know you mentioned you know you were more of an eclectic type pagan uh earlier on and then you know about a over a decade ago was when you came into to heathenry did you already like was it was it difficult for you to shift your worldviews or were you already kind of in in line with things that you later on learned our germanic heathen worldview? <laughs>
1: It's a little bit of A and B. I mean, there were already bits and pieces there, especially because you know, not only was I think Paganism, you know, I've also was a long time Tolkien nerd, so you know, I had already take so much of that is based on Germanic concepts, myths, things like that. So that helped a little bit too. But oh yeah, there was a culture shock because I don't I don't think there's any way to avoid the culture shock, at least in my opinion, if you're really going to come fully into Heathenry, because even just the religious side of you know the religious part aside so Mm -hmm. much of our culture is radically different than you know the pre-christian germanic conceptions so you are going through this culture shock of like oh now luck is a real thing that i have to think about Mm -hmm. and reputation matters whereas in our culture you know it's like oh don't worry you know don't worry what people say about you it's what you think well now all of a sudden it's no it's flipped on its head and you
0: know,
1: world accepting versus world rejecting you know, it's just this list of things, and you know, there's the extra weight of the fact that most of us are trying to do this, A, on our own and B in it, while still being in the original culture, you know a lot of times if you're adapting to a new culture and going to this culture shock, you're in that new culture, you're surrounded by it, and Mm -hmm. that helps you ease you into it because you don't have a choice. Whereas us, you are still surrounded by the original culture and trying to move yourself mentally, emotionally, you know, through your relationships into this new culture without that, you know, structure around you to help. So you're just pushing yourself through from the ground up.
0: Yeah. And, and how hard has it been for you to, you know, because the way I see heathenry really thriving is at the tribal level. Like there, people need to be with each other for heathenry to really shine. Like yeah. the, 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 the worldviews, the values, the, the, the morals, the ethics, all of these things cannot happen without tribe or without that close interconnected, you, you know, sort of like an extension of the family unit um, yeah. existing and yep. it's that concept even nowadays in modern times is so far removed from the majority of people it's it's so discouraging you know when you talk about wanting to bring people together or or establishing some sort of like tribe or kindred or whatever group you know name you want to put to it um you know without people really like you say getting into the the studies of the cultures and 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 how it was and how it worked at at a at a time way back when without that it's like again like you know it, it's an uphill battle uh, at least what i've found it's not not saying it's it's you know not worth trying and not worth keeping at it but it's definitely tough to get those things happening at least in my area
1: oh yeah and i mean so much of our overculture is just it's anathema to you know these concepts where, like I said, where you were talking about. You know, bring the importance of the group practicing together. Uh, you know how our relationships grow and change throughout this worldview. Whereas, you know, modern, especially American society, it's mm. you know hyper individualized, hyper capitalized, hyper you know separation from the natural world. You know, it's all of these things where it just wants to make it as hard as as possible because you know that's that's what keeps butts in seats at at jobs and that's what keeps the industrial machine rolling you know the idea of people being more reliant on each other that's not good business so you know we have structures in place to kind of prevent that yeah people being more open to growing their own food and being more involved in creating their own food you know that's not good for business so that's a they throw yep. you know, stuff in that way. So yeah, it's, it's a very uphill battle, but like you said, it's entirely worth it. It's just those first, I usually tell people the first three to five years are going to be rough. because you're going to mm-hmm. go honeymoon period and then it's going to get hard for a while.
0: That. And also, you know, when, when we talk about the practice of it, the doing of it, right. Uh, how much of what is done or or what was done, you know, like we're going to be talking about ancestry here soon, you know, and, and veneration of ancestors and how far back do we go? when we're going to talk a bit about that. Um, one of the things about ancestry is is inheritance and, and the things that were passed down from descendant to descendant land being a big one. Yeah. You know, you used to have at one point in time, part of the Germanic culture where families, the deceased were buried on old all lands the ancestral lands that's yeah. not a thing at least not here in america and look at how hard it is to even own a piece of property how expensive it is um the the, the legal red tape that you have to go through in a lot of areas right it's yeah. it's damn near impossible for aspiring young people especially nowadays to want to do to, to start that even if they want to it's it's damn near impossible yeah
1: absolutely it is i mean it's like i said it's that Thing to make it more difficult for individuals or even group of individuals, as opposed to corporations, big business, things like that. It's mm-hmm. Where you know, a person like you or me, we can't throw eight hundred thousand dollars at purchasing a property and you know not think about it, but lots of other bodies of out there can. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, we're uphill battle playing with kind of a stacked deck, but we yeah. also have a ton of choice. <laughs> true the place i guess
0: <laughs> yeah true you know and it's it it's the types of things that you know you can we have you have ambitions to to achieve or, or or things that you want to achieve i mean we're we, we're really only limited to what we apply ourselves to do i think in in many cases it's, it's not that it's it, it's not unattainable it's like i say it's it's damn near impossible it's, it's very difficult it's but it's not, i don't think it's unattainable you know like you say you just make the right choices uh think of the right you know come at, come at it from the right angle and it doesn't happen overnight doesn't happen right away um, you know people that I've 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 been of the, of the mind for a long time that the, the type of people who want to see this things happen that that share in the same kind of vision as you will come to you. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to have to really go looking for it. It's, it's, it's if you're doing certain things a certain way and, and people see that they're gonna be like, Oh, this guy, gal, whatever. They're, they, they they are we, we align yeah. and, and let's make things happen together. And then that's where, that's where the magic happens. You know, you get more hands, many hands do make light work. You know, you get more people right. actively wanting to, to see this come to fruition.
1: So about forming those communities and those bonds, I always tell people, if you look at any you know minority community in this country, whether they're ethnic, religious, uh, nationality, you now a lot of them are going through the same thing. They are you know trying to hold on to or create a culture, you know, inside of a society that's either indifferent or hostile to it, and they have to find ways. To command that grow through that. And, you know, what the number one thing they do is they form a community. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so much just isn't accomplishable on our own unless you're you know, some kind of super and, you know, luck the size of the Himalayas kind of guy. I have <laughs> Yeah. But with that community, all of a sudden things become possible. That would
0: never have been possible on closed open that never otherwise would. Be open. Yeah. Um, I agree. You know, uh, I have worked uh for the last few years uh to have a, a small group of people that I would consider kith, right? That extension of the kin, uh, yeah. that, you know that, that that family unit. Um, and and with that has come obligation of course and with that have come uh certain challenges right the, the tribe that was is not the tribe that is and is also not the tribe that will be i'm sure um it, it's it's constantly growing and evolving and shape shif- and ship shifting sh- you know what i mean uh it doesn't stay the same uh all the time so it's it's, it's a constant work in progress
1: yeah which that's that's one of the things I always tell people when they're talking about groups is a lot of people want to create something very rigid that will stay the same forever and, you know, mm. throw enough rules at it to beat any problems before they happen. Unfortunately, that's not really how human beings work. <laughs> so, oh, so yeah. Tell people, you've got to be open to change. You've got to be open to the fact that people aren't going to come with their issues You know, are So we can be there, you know, be there to kind of help help them through those and grow through them or, you know, just, you know, not get bogged down by it, uh, changes in the practices and information. You know, it, you can't just carve something out of stone and say, this is it forever and freak out anytime it tries to change. Yeah. It's just going to erode away the sand.
0: Yeah. That. And also, you know, if, if people try to form or establish groups so strictly as based around the way certain groups were established or formed in, in our times. and yeah. times uh, again, looking at, you know, from a cultural standpoint, look, look, yes, the world really hasn't grown, but it was a smaller, it, it was smaller back then. You know what I mean? Like the, it wasn't as big of a place <laughs> for these people. And and it was also how, you know, feudal cultures, war bands and, and stuff. Uh, I mean, they were, they were, they were, sure they were agriculturally inclined they were farmers and 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 doing all the things just to live off of the land but uh there was there were there were the war bands that that had a very militant structure to it and it's just like here in modern day you know what i mean the way that the military is the way that the you know police forces and and all these other sort of uh militant or organizations are structured is way more you know carved in stone in terms of you know, chains of command and 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 whatnot than than the average uh you know Joe going down the street going to their jobs or whatever. So I don't know. I've I've seen I've seen groups get formed um under the banner of heathenry, let's say, that become very they they, they, they dissolve because of that over rigidness. You know, you guess what guys, you're not a war band. <laughs> this isn't you know, yeah, sure you may you might can use titles and things to describe your 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 group or your structure, but um it ain't the same as it was, you know, a thousand years ago or more.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of a, a cart before the horse situation. Again, I, I see it I've seen it so many times. Groups are like they're in love with these very lofty titles. You know, well we have chieftains and thraltons and skulls and you know and Githia and Gothai and just all these I, my question usually then it's like, okay, well that's that's great, but Do you have, you have a brew, who's your brewer? You know, who's Mm -hmm. your, who's your, uh, your baker? Do you have a blacksmith? Do you have somebody who maybe knows herbal medicine? Uh, Is someone doing your sewing, your weaving? Because those are the things that really build connection in a side of a group and that groups need, as opposed to, you know, this very formal, rigid political structure, you Mm -hmm. know, that, Yes, if you are heathen times, especially like, oh, well, this is a group of, you know, dozens to hundreds of individuals, yeah, you need that. But when there's six of you, you're better off going, well, this is, this is Sam, and he brews the mead or the beer for our rituals, and he's, you know, he's very important to us because this is a very important role. And, you know if that person feels like they're really contributing something concrete solid to the group and then the people on the receiving end also feel like they're getting something solid and you know tangible out of that relationship as opposed to saying well this is this is someone whose role is largely ceremonial and might be useful once in a while this is no this is Sam i mean if he be left or was hurt or something we would be in real trouble, you know, mm-hmm. because this is a brewer. This is important for, you know, Sally, she makes all the bread loaf fresh for our offering. You know, this is this is really important, and we, you know, there's an appreciation there that goes a lot deeper than just, you know, this largely Titles. ceremonial title. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, like, focus on, on concrete roles in a group, you know, so that you're getting this Physical give and take of things, you know, like even if it's outside of a ritual context, like, well, this is this is a you know, our member and he studies blacksmithing and you know, he creates stuff for the group. And you know, maybe we all get together and we you know, pitch in and we buy him an anvil, yeah, and, you know, because his contribution to our group is important even outside of a ritual context, you know, just having someone with skills and abilities is important, more important in my mind than just very lofty titles that are largely ceremonial because those are the kind of things that really build relationships that last.
0: Yeah, I definitely can see that. And, you know, uh, I think some of the pitfalls that can happen are like you say, putting that cart before the horse, people think, well, I have to have, we have to have this, you know, uh, title and, and structure, but why, like, what's the purpose um and number one, number two is who did you give yourself this title? Are you now this person that you think you are or 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 are you doing the things that this title with the with that that a person with that title does you know yeah. are you a godhi just because you know you say you are or or have you done the things that goies do? or whatever you know what i mean so again it 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 goes back to again like worldviews and stuff which we could do a whole episode on just that but how worth was was placed um and how that applies in modern times you know you are worth what your what your group what your people say you're worth and and worth is given to you through your deeds it's you know it's not just because oh i've been a heathen for 12 years or 10 years or 20 years you know
1: yeah. Or, you know, I, like I said, it's kind of the opposite of our modern culture where, you know, it, worth is just based on your own thoughts and feelings. And nobody can tell me what I'm worth. And I know what I'm worth. And, you know, with, mm-hmm. which, you know, is nice and has its place. But it does. So you have to look at that through the lens of, for us at least, of, you know, pre Christian Germanic belief going like, well, yes, it's important that I know my worth and I, I'm familiar with my abilities. But at the same time, my honor and my value derives from my ender from the people yeah. who you know, are in the place to decide that for me. I can't really decide it for myself.
0: Yeah, I've seen it go both ways, where um, some groups whose structure... Is, uh, Kind of, kind of a, it, it's, it's very theatish. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like where new members come in with no worth. They are worth less. Yeah. Um, which has, again, an arch heathen angle taken to it. It's, we don't know anything about you per se. You have to prove your worth. And I've taken a bit of an angle with that with our group. It's like, I'm not saying you're worthless to your face. I'm not going to say like, oh, you ain't worth a damn. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying or what we're saying is that in order for us to have frith, in order for us to establish that obligation, that bond, the the, the things that come with uh, the, you know, being tied in that frith web, in order for that to happen, you're going to have to see me, you're going to have to know that. I can be of worth to you and I'm going to need to know that you're of worth to, to me and the rest of us. We have to see this happen, but there needs to be that time of uh, that, that period of time to prove yourself and to prove myself and to prove ourselves. Because without that, we're just, uh, you know, going down through a checklist saying, do you do this? Do you like that? Would you, be... Oh, cool. You're, you're, you're in, yeah, you're, you're, you're part of the tribe. Now you're, you know, it doesn't work that way in this, in the, in the Germanic sense of, of, of how the tribe functions you know we're obligated to one another we rely on one another and you can't establish that without actually doing things and and proving it
1: yeah and like i said you you have to ignore abstraction wherever you can and focus on concrete you know real world tangible things and like with the worthing thing you know uh, an important thing I always say to remember there is those of us who have been in heathenry for a while. If they're going to join a group and someone says you need to worth yourself, prove your worth. You know you are without worth until it is proven. If if you kind of built up that worldview, you understand. You go, well, yeah, of course, obviously. You know you don't you don't know my my worth other than you know what I might have said or a few other people might have said. Of course, I've got to prove it. But people who are new to heathenry and still kind of coming out of that modern american overculture that's a really shocking thing to hear you know because yeah again you know your worth is given to you by yourself and you know anyone questioning your worth is this super offensive super derogatory thing that you know is is very kind of taboo yeah so that's one of the things with that kind of language I always am careful with. If, if they're new, I ask them, you know, like, how long have you been in this? What is your experience? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they're saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm fairly new, then I, I still use those concepts and even that wordage. But I'm always kind of extra careful to explain the whys and the hows and yeah. the case behind it. So like I said, cool. if you're new… And you hear those words, it they can be pretty off-putting, you know. Like, yeah, and it
0: might it it, <laughs> it 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 might deter them from wanting to pursue it anymore because they, oh damn, what am I getting myself into here? Yeah, you know dude, what
1: I mean. <laughs> oh, what a, what a bunch of snobby elitists, you know? They yeah, snobs or <laughs> elitists, you know, they're gatekeepers. Right. Like, yep. Well, well, yes and no. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're keeping the gate to our inner. That's important. Yep. We're not saying the gate is locked forever. But you have to, and you know, prove that you are the kind of person we want to let through that gate first, and that's not a bad thing.
0: No. Um, so let's go into a little bit about what this this episode is intended for. I love talking with someone who gets this stuff, um, and, uh, and, and and we can have meaningful conversation about it. So, you know, some of the things that we're talking about here are are, are real. You know, it, it's more of the it's beyond heathenry 101 type stuff. You know what I mean? Like this is refining worldviews and and really getting into the meat and potatoes of it. Um, so with Ancestry, you know, I know you, you've you probably seen me say dozens of times, hundreds of times, if you know, if you've been watching for the last couple of years, the podcasters, is right. May the gods continue to notice you. May your ancestors smile upon you. Uh, that's like how I sign off every episode, but also just the the importance of ancestor veneration. Um, you had a you had a a, a a purpose behind talking about ancestry specifically, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm just gonna, if you don't mind, let you verbalize that to, to everybody today. Like, what's what are we gonna be talking about with regards to ancestry?
1: Well, the question I came to you with, because you know I was interested on your perspective, and you know we'll be talking about that is when it comes to ancestry and ancestral veneration. Uh, you know how far back do you go because this is something that if you ask that question on a heathen group even seasoned heathens the answer is going to run across the board Mm. you'll see people say only the ancestors I've personally known in life or you know this legal code says six to nine generations of ancestors have to be recognized so that's what I do or people who say, you know, all of them, all the way back, forever, known or unknown. Uh, all the way back to either, you know, Ask an Imbla, or, you know, I've seen people, you know, say, well, part of my veneration is is the first ape that stood up right. So, you know, it's that question. Wow. Of, yeah, I mean, I it's not my practice, but I've seen it.
0: Yeah. So- Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1, since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey?
1: <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer.
0: They've changed,
1: so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's one of those questions of, when we say ancestor veneration and venerating our ancestors, What is? what do we mean... Kind of precisely by that because it's it's a super you know once again if you're new and you say which of my ancestors do i venerate one person says the last three generations and one of them says all the way back to you know your earliest homo sapien ancestor those mm-hmm. are radically different practices to tell a person this is what yeah. we do
0: yeah and that's a great point uh it, and it's one that i've made on other topics as well. You know, you get 10 heathens in a room and ask the same question. You're probably going to get 10 different answers about it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, exactly. And so that, that's the thing where, you know, um, for, for, for me, you know, the, the way that I lean into ancestor veneration are, are relatively close, but I don't forget or neglect the ones that are a bit further removed Um, because sometimes you know you find people like myself who have gone down uh, like ancestry.com or or 23andme or whatever these other sites and, and try to find more about your ancestry right like who was my grandmother's grandmother's grandmother and this and that right and try to go as far back as you can through genealogical records and and stuff and it can be really really cool some of the things you find Uh, you know, like I know that one of my ancestors is John Marshall, you know, the, the, the first Supreme justice of the United States. I know one of my ancestors is Francis Scott Key. Uh, do I, do I light candles for the, for, for John and, and, and Francis? I've never done that. You know what I mean? Uh, they don't. To me, they, they, you know, they, they, it's pretty cool. Like they, they, they have a really, they have a very strong, they have very strong <laughs> You know what right. I mean? Because of the things that they've done. Um, but are they so close to me in in, in my practices that I venerate them? I, I say I don't, but it's not to say that I should or should. You know what I mean? Like, right. I just don't. Um, my ancestral veneration is is a bit more closer to my heart and to the to to the ancestors that i've either known or who have become known to me through whether it was parents or grandparents right throughout my life that have told me stories about them right i didn't know my grandfather on my dad's side very well because he died when i was very young he died the year my sister was born i was like three you know what i mean so i i have no memory of him but i know that he fought against the germans during world war ii and he you know was sunk in a u-boat off the coast of north carolina so i think that those types of things are, are very heroic and very uh you know important things to remember and so in my ancestor veneration whether even though i didn't immediately know him he's close enough in my ancestral line right he's my father's father to make a point of speaking of his of his deeds and remembering him commemorating him in that way that's just like as an example um there's also i think a place to, to 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 uh to bring up of not all of your ancestors are worth your veneration at least not to me some people's ancestors myself i mean all of us you know people have done some really shitty things and <laughs> we don't want to remember that we don't want to commemorate them for the terrible things that they've done we'd rather than be forgotten and that's pretty powerful stuff because again it goes into the 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 worldview of of ancient germanic heathens is to you know you know that your name your reputation never dies of those who have earned it but if you've done really nefarious things if you were needing if you're outlawed if you were gone outside of this the 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 sanctity the the protection of the of the inner uh you were you were just assumed as dead you know and and gone and forgotten
1: worse than dead you become less than human you know you're Mm -hmm. a mark you know you're a troll you're you've been stripped of your humanity through being stripped of that that familial relationship yeah
0: yeah so I'm kind of in the I I think I kind of lean more towards you know I don't necessarily neglect my long distant ancestors I just don't have a, a very active place of venerating them as much as I do those who have been more involved in my life and why would that be right why would you not light a candle or or have a ceremony or do something to remember the first supreme justice of the united states well damn like that's a pretty important guy why wouldn't you i wasn't around like none of my none none of the people that are related to him through or to me through them through him right none of our ancestors are alive anymore Uh, to 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 know much about him other than what are written in the history books and and that have been passed down yeah. through the annals of history. You know what I mean? The stories so,
1: that there's no relationship.
0: Yeah, and I and I see this with uh, you, you probably have too. Like I see this with people who are like, well, my desc- I'm the descendant of Ragnar, or I'm oh. a descendant of this king, or I'm a descendant of this, you know, great hero. And I'm like, that was a long ass time ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you think that they know you? Yeah. <laughs> you know i don't
1: you're
0: really I, sure. I don't yeah i mean that may be so maybe you do have you know uh lineage that that is documented that far back i'm not saying you know that you're wrong if that's what you are are, are, are claiming and if you have the documentation prove it but what is it really do- what does that really prove yeah. so you're you know so you're king so-and-so's you know great 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 nephew he had no idea about you what you know what i mean like i don't so for that, me, it's that, it's like, it's cool, but what, what? why would you have that as part of your, your hearth cult?
1: Yeah, that, that luck has changed hands so many times at this point that it is a radically different luck than the one that he passed down when he died. You know, so again, you have this story, but you don't have much of a relationship. And part of that, too, is going back to that uh, obsession with titles, you know, that validation through these very lofty abstract titles. I'm not just anyone. I'm the Mm -hmm. eight times removed grandson of Ragnar Lothbrok. So therefore, you know, listen to me.
0: Yeah. That was different back then too, you know, because that actually meant something, you know, if you received an audience with an important person, that was kind of like your way in. Like who is, who is, who's Jesse? Oh, well, Jesse he is the son of so-and-so who was the son of so-and-so who did this thing, that or the other. Ah, okay. You know that, like it meant something like there was, you would be announced as such. You'd be known as such. I mean, but like you say, the luck has, has has changed so much over the years. Like, so the luck that, that was passed down through, through, through Orlog, you know, that, that, that's the waters are a bit murkier now than they were back then. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's been so much other things that have been added to the well that have changed the, the structure of that luck that was passed.
1: Yeah, that layer is so deep now that, you know, it's it's not really the ones you're drawing from.
0: It's, yeah. You
1: know, it's still part of it. It's in there, but, you know, it's deep as opposed to that surface levels of oreille that yeah, you're Orle. really drawing freshly from.
0: What about you? You asked me, I answered. What about you? What, what, what is your, <laughs> what's your stance on it?
1: <laughs> so similar, uh similar. The ones I focus most on are the ones that are more recent. And, you know, either I've known or, you know, I know through stories of the people who knew them. So like my great grandfather, I never met him, but, you know, he was very close to my father. And so, you know, I've seen images of him i know stories about his life uh you know yeah. i have items that he had when he was alive that you know are mine now uh, i have i literally have a cast iron cooking pot that he cooked out of that i cooked for my family out of now, you know. mm. these things you know he has a place but you know yeah. once uh, uh, a good example would be i can on one side i can as reliably as these records can be traced, you know, it goes back to like a, uh, a Longobard ancestor named Gundolf. You know, I that's so many generations ago. <laughs> Do yeah. I really need to have, you know, something on my altar for Gundolf? Uh, I don't. Uh, the most like that in my practice reflects is uh, I make sure. It, it practice uh, factors into my practice with Brica, you know, because of the story of how she uh, helped the Longobard people mm-hmm. and, and their names and things like that. So, you know, little things in her cult like that, but not on the altar. Like, so the altar has pictures of people that I knew or knew the stories, um, yeah. items that have been handed down to me, things like that, you know, people whose, you know, the luck I have reflects the luck that was passed down by these people. Now, that's not to say that I just you know, I don't want it to sound like these are the only ones involved mm-hmm. in this, because that can be a, a misconception people get when you say something like that. Like, well, I mainly have been arrayed this number of generations you know, three to five-ish of the ones I knew you know, because the older ones, I believe, are still very much sentient you know they exist in however you want to view the afterlife you know they have a presence and Mm -hmm. they have power you know they still exist it's just the fact that they're probably not super worried about me on a personal level you know it's kind of in the same way that you know my mother who's passed is a spirit who's probably pretty concerned with my well-being and seeing me succeed because you know, I was her son. We were very close. And even then I have to, you know, keep in mind, I have three siblings. She looks after them well. And, you know, she's not omnipotent and omnipresent. She can only be in one place at one time. So, yeah. you know, while I get a lot of attention from that spirit, and then you know, on to my grandparents, it's the same thing. You know, we're close, and I'm sure they look over me in my practice a lot, but they still have other grandchildren. They still have living children that I'm sure they have to keep an eye on maintaining the family. And the farther you get back, you know, it, it's this wider and wider pool of people for them to, to worry about and look over. Uh, you know, it becomes less a case of they're going to be worried about you and more they're going to be worried about this branch of the family mm-hmm. or, you know, this half of the family or, you know, the entire family. And that's when I started just referring to them, you know, like as the Alfar and the D-sier, You know, I don't know your names, and I probably don't have a super personal relationship with you. But I recognize that you are still part, a part of the family. You mm-hmm. exist, you're sentient, and are part of the kinfolk. And yeah. that you are doing things to help. It may not be immediately relevant to me every time. You know, you might not be making sure my air conditioner doesn't break down at an inopportune time but you are making sure to say that my branch of the family is avoiding some bit of ill luck that might have happened or you know we are moving in the right direction mm. uh i liken that to kind of how many of us especially like in reconstruction will talk about how the gods are not super worried about us on a personal level you
0: know yeah
1: in is making the crops grow for everyone in my area, not just me, you know, but I still benefit from that gift. You know, yeah. it's important that I reciprocate that gift and, you know, value that that relationship. Now, once ancestors get so far back, it becomes a very similar situation where they're not helping me maybe as an individual, but they are still giving gifts to the family that I am reaping benefits from so mm-hmm. while my focus and like like I said the altar is focused mainly on more recent ancestors anytime i'm verbalizing that like say in prayer or offerings i do you know make it clear that you know to my ancestors and you know to the out the dc or my ancestors i know and don't know both because you know, I believe I'm reciprocating that relationship, even if it's not a super personal one. And also because, uh, you know, the dead are powerful, the dead are, are dangerous sometimes. And mm. if they are listening in, uh, I really don't want to be the one that makes them feel slighted.
0: <laughs> right. Or, uh, you
1: know, I'm leaving them <laughs> out kind of a, a maleficent type situation where. You know, this is the day the five times when my great grandfather decides to, to check in on things and make sure that I'm I'm bringing honor to the family, and he feels left out, and all of a sudden he he's dipping out of that that reciprocal relationship. So, like I said, I tell, you, well, focus on your recent ancestors that you have this relationship with that you know, but also recognize that there are these deeper relationships going on that you may not immediately recognize but which are still valid because you know even when they're dead they don't leave the family yeah i mean not them personally anymore but they're still there
0: yeah absolutely that's a great that's a great summary and, and explanation of it so thanks for sharing i uh i was wondering something too and i wanted to bring this up during this episode, because this is a, this is an aspect of things. I think that a lot of people can relate to, and that is on the, on the, on the topic of fostering adoption, right? Because ancestry, when we talk about it, the first thing that people think of are our blood kin, the people who we are related to through blood that have sired, you know, descendants where, and now we're here. Um, But not everybody has that connection. The people who they are closest to in their life are not related to them through blood. They are related to them through fostering, adoption, that sort of thing. So their luck, uh, like that family's luck, does it get passed down to the adopted or the fostered uh, and and so on and so forth? Um, And what are your thoughts on that?
1: So, my answer to that is, like you said, this is something that comes up a lot because it's not an uncommon question in our age. And, you know, it's something that probably as long as there's been humans, things like adoption have existed. Sure. Because we're a social species and things happen. Right. So, my answer to that is usually when did the adoption take place? So, if someone says, you know, well, I was adopted as a baby. You know, my adoptive parents are the ones who gave me my name, who raised me, who took care of me from birth, or even a very young age. You know, I don't re- even remember my biological parents. These are the only parents I've ever had. Well, my answer to that is usually focus on on the ones who adopted you, because you are by the Germanic worldview a part of that family as much as anyone would be that was born into it. You know, with, once you're adopted in, it's it's like when you graft the limb of a tree onto another tree, you know, it might have originated somewhere else, but it it is now part of that tree. It mm-hmm. lives or dies with that tree, as opposed, you know, if the tree you took it from and grafted it off of dies, that doesn't hurt that branch. It's now part of this tree that it's grafted onto. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it's the case where they're very young and that's the case, I always say just, I would just, and it's a personal thing. Some people are still going to want that and you know I don't think harm in that. But -hmm. now if you're say older, uh and you've built those relationships maybe with the family that you know, pre-adoption family, uh, you've already created those ties, you're still using the name that they gave you, which is a powerful thing in heathenry. You know, yeah. Being named is a is a very serious thing. Uh That's usually when I get into the fact, you know, I would recommend both, especially like you're an adult or, you know, sometimes in um, a tribal setting saying, well, we're going to adopt each other as siblings. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you're not removing yourself from that original family. You're just kind of embracing each other's kinship. So now, yes, you have to recognize those ancestral ties and relations too. But you don't lose the ones that you had already. Yeah. So, yeah, younger kids, I say focus on your adoption. Uh, even in my family, you know, I my first child is technically my stepdaughter. You know, I just call her my daughter. But we had an adoption ceremony, a heathen adoption ceremony. Nice. Uh, you know, where I I gave her her name and gifts and welcomed her into the family and things like that, and. But she was already old enough and she still knows her biological father. So when we talk about this, you know, I make it clear, you know, those are still your ancestors and it's important to acknowledge them. And there's nothing wrong with that. But my family and my ancestors are just as much your ancestors. Now, you know, my grandmother and the boons that she gave me and the luck she gave me are yours as much as they are mine or any of my other biological children.
0: But,
1: also doesn't mean that you're removed from your biological father's side because right. you still know him and those people, and you know you were given your first name by them, and that you know that's still power.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, my wife was adopted at birth, and um, still knows her biological mother, her biological father. We we don't talk about him much because he was a, a, a villain. You know what I mean? And we so we don't really and and it it's it's crazy she's not she's not a practicing heathen she's fully supports what i do she has her own way of of the views of the world but she's not a heathen uh in the in the technical sense of the word right she doesn't practice the same things i do however um anytime that this her sperm donor is what she calls him yeah. uh it, it doesn't even mention his name like doesn't even want to speak his name um she doesn't claim the surname that she was tied to through his you know lineage right she's like i am not a that don't ever call me that sort of thing she has a very very strong stance on i am so and so because of who has raised me and who has taken me in and 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 all that so i think you know and, and that's that's definitely been a thing for like you say you know pretty much since humanity right things happen and uh fostering was a big part of the germanic culture too and i uh I know that you know. Once you were part of that family, you you received the luck and the benefits of that family, same as anybody else who was blood kin. Yeah, you know?
1: lived and died by that family.
0: Yep. And really, we, we do our tribe is, is is in a similar way. Like we talked earlier about, like the Worthing thing and all that. Uh, once once worth is established, and that 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 period of time has lapsed, um, we we enter into the the oath web to pledge our, our, our kinship to one another. I don't call people of any, you know, outside of my blood kin, like I don't call another man, brother or another woman's sister or anything like that until there has been that, that, uh, that, 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 that period of time to, to prove our worth to one another. And then once we've established that, we we understand things similarly, like we, then we can comfortably say, all right, now you are my brother. We're not blood related, but you are kin to me now. And with that comes the obligation and the responsibility and the love and the, and the backing and the support that family offers and, and provides.
1: Yeah. it's a very heavy thing. That's why, you know, it's that beaten into the ground of people, you know, getting on a Facebook group and, hi, brothers, you know, skull. And like, no, <laughs> we're not brothers. And that that's kind of goes back to that over-culture thing again of telling somebody, no, we're not brothers can, once they're not in the worldview, can be a very shocking, you know, off-putting thing to them if yeah. the, you don't get in there. Like, no, you have to understand saying that thing also carries with it this mountain of duties and obligations and you know if i say yes. you're my brother that means that you know i my life is your life I, I even if i think you've done something like this is dumb this is really dumb but i'm here to help <laughs> because yeah. you're my brother and what else can i do
0: because right
1: your problem is my problem even if i think it's a dumb problem
0: <laughs> yeah I mean, I've had experiences throughout, like I was telling you before, how this, the structure of the tribe or the, or the the how the tribe has evolved in, in time. Right, it's not the same as it was when it was init, you know, initially created or started, formed. Uh, it's not the same tribe then as it is now. Um, however, you know, even though, even though people that were in the tribe are not part of the tribe, it's not because they've done anything to harm themselves or ourselves uh, on the luck level, right? They haven't done anything to be considered needing. So I still call them brother or whatever, right? Hey, you may not come to tribal affairs. You're not oath bound, but we're not oath bound to one another. Um, but you've also never done anything. I know that if I called upon this person, they would answer. If I needed something, they would do the best that they could to provide, you know what I mean? Or, or answer that call. Um, but stuff like that again is 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 like, it's all very cool sounding. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you know, I answered the call. Uh, call on me, brother, and I will answer. Do you really mean that?
1: Yeah. Are
0: you really like, if 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 this person calls you at two in the morning, are you going to answer that phone call? If not, then they're not your brother, man. Like, that's not family. Yeah. It it, it it's literally that kind of a, of a thickness that it's it's that how that's how thick the threads are. That's how strong the bonds are. And I, I've, I've talked about this before, and not know how you feel. Like when it comes to frith and the, and the bonds that get established, there's there's like layers and levels of it, right? Like the frith bond that I have with my wife is stronger than the one that I have with my my tribal brothers. You know what I mean? Because we've we've done and and gone through things more than I've gone through with them, her and I. You know, so that the the frith that her and I have is not the same as the frith that my tribe tribesmen and I share. You know what I mean? Does that does that make I, sense I'm 100% for yeah hundred
1: percent on board because you know uh I have relatives that are you know distant and or even you know just we don't get along for whatever reason, and you know at the most, I go, well, Chris demands that I will never actively oppose like i will <laughs> I will never try to hurt you. Or if somebody shows up trying to hurt you, I am not gonna help them in any way, shape, or form. But past that, it's best if we just avoid each other. You know, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I would never be your enemy, but I also don't really want you to come over for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that, that's a layer of risk, you know, those obligations. As opposed, you know, like you said, my wife, you know, we, we were joking about it the other day. It's like, well, I mean, if you kill somebody i've got to help you hide the body (laughs) right i I use that level of i I might be complaining the whole time this is dumb why did you do this oh my god why baby right i'm still going to do it because the level of thrift we share demands that you know or you know the classic taking a bullet like well there's no there's no doubt there like oh well my life is your life, so of course, you know, I would have to put it on the line for any chance to protect yours. Yeah. Whereas those more distant or unrelated, you know, unappreciated relations, you know, it's like I don't know that I need to die for you, but mm-hmm. I'm definitely not going to help anybody kill you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think and that's
1: exactly. all those layers in between.
0: <laughs> it, it, exactly. It's it's not so like you said carved in stone earlier, right? Like the things aren't so carved in stone. Like there are layers, there are levels, there are nuances, there are variances, right? So it's, it's not so not so cut and dry. Uh, absolutes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's not one or the other. It's sometimes it's one, sometimes it's somewhere else in between. Sometimes it's another shade of that part that's in between. Uh, there's, again, there's, there's layers to it all.
1: Yeah. Kind of like, you know, when I'm, Discussing and teaching my kids, Chris, even if I don't use those words, you know, I make it clear to them, you know, like I am your father, you are my children, and that means that I have obligations. You will never go hungry. You know, my food will always be your food. If you fall on hard times, my house will always be your house. You know, mm-hmm. anything you say or do that you think I may not approve of, with exceptions of like really drastic terrible things are yeah they are nothing against crit. you know so if you came to me and said dad i'm gay or dad i i want to be this religion or you know i want to do something you may not approve of you know you know not like oh i did something terrible you know nightmarishly bad like you know i want to i want to do this job and i know you don't know. Approve of it or think it's a good idea but i'm doing it anyway well once again those are all yeah. bumps on the road compared to Fritz. that means you know like i said you will never have to worry about those things because as your father this is my obligation in fifth view that mm-hmm. i will always be in your corner even if i wish i wasn't <laughs> you know in that particular corner for some reason Like, uh, well this is you really shouldn't have moved into that house I told you was more than a fixer upper, but mm-hmm. I am your father, and that means I am here with tools and money, and yeah, you know, I am here no matter what. And that that's something that you know I've seen that several times as my kids got older really hit home with them. Where like I can, you know, dad may not like this, but I will never feel in fear of losing my relationship with him or losing my place in family because that's just not a constant sort of You know, beyond the of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that first bond is strong. When it, And I, I don't know if you've ever uh, encountered this, but I, I got to thinking about um, situations, as, like we're talking ancestry here, um about <clears throat> how close we we go back or how far we go back um but situations where uh cuz again you know religion is is the big divider for a lot of families you know yeah. and uh family members who are not they don't practice the same things that that we do you know what i mean so let's say you know you have you know, your grandmother or whoever was a, you know, was a devout Christian and, and, and that's how, you know, she died and there was all of the, the funerary rites, all of the things leading throughout her life and up to her death were uh, framed around the Christian worldview of things. Does that, does that person, does that ancestor still carry the same reverence, venerance to, uh, to heathens these days? as let's say someone else that is, you know, was, was maybe not as much. So, um, does, does the religious, the, 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 does the religiosity transfer through into the experience of, of ancestry veneration? I personally don't think so. Um, cause I think at that point it becomes obsolete. Like that was how you lived your life. That was how you did things in, in the physical experience of, of you as a person. Um, now that that part of your life has expired and you have transitioned into the next stage of life. It's not, yeah. I don't know. And I, and I, I, just, I, I got to thinking about, it and I was wondering where if you had any thoughts about that sort of thing or. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, well, first of all, big UPG warning, which <laughs> I, I, yeah. I yeah. Well. Is, that's, uh, listened to the show for a while, probably is familiar with that phrase. So I, I think I'm safe throwing that out, but, uh, so, what I always tell people is no, well, I'm no, I don't really factor it into it because uh, my way of thinking is you know, I'm a heathen, I believe in a heathen worldview and a heathen afterlife, you know, I believe a multi part soul, things like this. So, in my mind, my ancestor, even if they were devout Christian, well, once they died, their soul breaks up into multiple parts, you know, they begin the journey to the afterlife, however you want to the road to hell is how I usually refer to it, you know. They leave behind the leak, the body. All these changes happen. And, you know, they learn things, they learn from the dead different truths, both known and unknown to us. Hmm. And, you know, they there are dramatic changes. So I always tell people, like, well, you know, in the same way that my Christian relatives don't, you know, acknowledge the fact that, you know, they think I have a multi-part soul and part of that will be going into, you know, the road to hell and dwelling here and this and that, you know, I also don't overly worry about, you know, trying to make other worldviews and religions fit the mine. I just don't want to what I believe happens after you die just for my beliefs uh, I I fully recognize who knows maybe I am wrong but this is the way I practice so you know after they die they are into things that they're changed through death through this new health yeah so you know yes grandma might have been a devout Baptist but you know I also <laughs> believe now that in the mound, her soul's separated in certain ways and it's gone to join the other dead, you know, spoken to them and learned things and returned. Mm-hmm. that change so that that really doesn't strike me as that big of a factor in the scheme. Of it.
0: I think that's helpful for a lot of people to hear, um, two heathens discussing this topic. Uh, because I don't know about you, but I've been approached about. Uh, this topic, but not just a specific topic, but the things surrounding this this topic, you know, some people don't know who their ancestors are, uh, because their their life has been, you know, structured around, you know, uh, b- being very separated from the family unit.
1: Yeah,
0: you know what I mean? And um, so when they come into this path, and they hear things about ancestral veneration, and the importance of it, they feel lost, they feel they don't have nowhere they have like no baseline nowhere to start like well what do i do how i don't know who they are you know what i mean and yeah. uh or or this person who i do know you know they were they were they weren't the greatest they did this thing that or the other why would i want to venerate that why would i want to you know commemorate their memory and 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 stuff and and do anything that would bring uh you know bring honor to the family or, or whatever so there's a lot of uh again here we go into the the gray areas you know the 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 things that happen and i think i think ultimately what it comes down to um is it goes back to hearth cult you know if you're trying to find a source if you're trying to find books if you're trying to find you know one specific thing that's going to give you the answer good luck
1: yeah
0: on this like you've got to establish your own customs your own traditions
1: yeah, like I said, if you find that one magical source that lays everything out, be be sure to send me a link. Yeah, please I, let me know. <laughs> I would love to have some clarity. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, uh, that other one, yeah, I get that a lot. You know, I don't I don't know my ancestry at all. And there's not really any way for me to learn it. You know, it's you say this is an important part of heathenry, you know, is this now just something I have to miss out on mm. and in that case I usually go back to you know for my beliefs the, the Alfar and the Desir where you have these ancestors and they are mm. concerned about you and your well-being it's just not in a personal sense you yeah. know they are worried about the greater body of their descendants so you know you can start with your Alfar and Desir and then you know you might have you know you're from there you're grounded zero you know you're you're the beginning and it's time for you to leave something for your descendants to remember and cherish Mm -hmm. and honor. and you know you can still for your hearth cult and your ancestral cult have those alfar and desir that you know are there they're still part of your orle you know they are part of you that can't be taken away from you just name and without a face you can still use these concepts to have that and then begin working on finding ways to introduce those names and concepts because you know maybe you know like I said you're the first one and it's your job to start it so that the people that come after you will have people that they know and can honor and remember and keeping sure. that kind of in the back of your mind all the time, Maybe you have chosen family that winds up, you know, becoming family through adoption yeah. and you know, fostering. And as they pass on, you know, because none of us get any younger. <laughs> and unless, True. you know, unless you're one of the early ones to go, you're going to lose people sooner or later. You know, you can be adding those people onto mm-hmm. those altars and into that first call and growing it that way. You know, it's it's not one of those things where you either have it and there's levels and layers we all just have to kind of you know we're living in the aftermath of a conversion and a dramatic shift in worldview we have to kind of start where we are whether it's easy and convenient or not
0: yeah and here's like this is another thing I was thinking too uh, probably some definitely uh, UPG um, but maybe some, some, some hints or some uh glim- glim- glimmers of this happening how many times have we in- encountered ourselves but also seen throughout the stories throughout the the sagas of of uh you know people being visited in dreams or or having these like unconscious visions that involve deceased ancestors you know coming to them in in this sort of way and again the, the, it, it probably leans more into like the upg side of things but i mean there's enough examples i think that we can deduce that um again because of how powerful the dead are that uh they are not bound by one or two forms of communication they can reach us we can reach them there are ways to feel connected you know and uh it's a thing it's definitely a thing oh yeah so
1: with you there because, like you said, the dead are powerful, and you know, it's. I always say, people, I don't believe in the dead as like a concept or you know, a societal construct or a Jungian archetype. You no, know, I believe the dead are you know, present and powerful and exist, you know, are sentient, individualized beings, so you know, and powerful, so yeah. they're bound to communicate with me through a variety of ways if, if that's dreams. You know, I said, A, there's you would be hard pressed to find a culture that does not have some belief that the dead communicate through dreams. Mm-hmm. That that's one of those things goes, you know, it's present in the Germanic context, but that's practically a human thing.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: idea that the dead can communicate through dreams and through yeah. all these states. Uh, you know, so yeah. Looking to those those hints and feelings of an ancestor that might be wanting to reach out to you and bring you into the mold, like I said that's a like we said that's a lot more u p g but I also totally agree with it, and you know there are ways to do that work with that you know as long yeah. as it's something you're comfortable with and open to,
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah, I'm a You know, I'm, I'm, I'm of that opinion where we're kind of limited. They're not, yes, there are, there are limitations, you know what I mean? But like you're saying, like the, 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 the channels of which they're uh, capable of of reaching us are, are less limited than the ones that we currently have. (laughs) Right. I can't get on a zoom. I can't get on a live stream or whatever and talk to my grandmother. Like I can talk to you or other people. Right. Um, But that doesn't mean I can't still talk to her or my father who recently passed or, you know, that sort of thing. It's, can be done and uh yeah it's 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 definitely a thing yeah that they
1: they are powerful individualized sentient beings that you know have greater or lesser interest in being present in our lives and our well-being
0: and the more we interact with them i feel that the more their vested interest becomes active you know like you can write a letter or, or call or text or some, you know, whatever people, living people, like I was saying, like every so often. And it's, oh, it's cool. Nice to hear from you. But the more you interact, the more you're involved, the more you become intertwined, then the more interesting things become. There's more of an investment in that relationship. So if you find that there's a relationship that from a, from a departed ancestor that you're... Uh, either they are reaching out to you or you feel drawn to them is start that and then continue it. Don't just let it be a a passing thought, feed it. You know, the more you do it, the more it's going to become an active component to your, your hearth cult and the things that go on around your life and those that are with you and around you. At least that's the way I see it.
1: Absolutely. Like I tell people, you know, don't imagine them as just like, you know, some abstract thought phantom, you know that things like that. Think of them still as a as a flesh and blood person, maybe one that you can't physically see most of the time, but still that person who has thoughts and opinions and things like that. So, you know, yes, communicate with them, give them gifts, give them you know a place of honor, you know, make a plate for them at dinner sometimes, you know, invite them over for dinner know in your own way uh
0: this may be a very sorry yeah this may be a very modern twist to it all uh but in the same vein of what you're describing like i know my wife has done this with uh like uh, people that she's lost over the years whether they've been ancestral to her or 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 through like fostering and adoption scenarios i have become kin to her no less um sending them like a text message writing them an email doing things like that that are the physical uh, you know, expression of communicating, you're not going to necessarily get a response back through those means. However, yeah. the process of doing that can be cathartic. And it can also, I think, at least, in you know, we're modern heathens, right? Like we're living in these times. These things exist. They may not have been a part of the, the worldview or the concepts of, of Germanic heathens at the time. But if they had phones, if they had emails, why wouldn't it be? I, I think of things like that. If the if the technology existed, would it could it have been part of the, the the process, you know? And and why can't it be now?
1: Absolutely. I mean, like I said, we have to build the house of today on the foundation of what's been left to us. Have and the house of today has a cell phone and it has an email and mm. things like that. So we use. It. But yeah, like I said, it's those li- even little things help.
0: Writing read. notes.
1: Yeah. Oh. You know, it's half good stuff a note, but turned up cuff, I found myself a, a friend. It there
0: doesn't you take go. much. There you go. I appreciate the, this dialogue. This has, been really, uh, this has been really helpful for me specifically. I love being able to talk to people that have a, a, a good, strong... you know mind of of this and the the concept surrounding Germanic Heathenry specifically a lot of a lot of the content that I have uh here especially here recently have have gotten off on other paths and have ventured off the branches of reaching out a little bit more um which I think is great too yeah you know and uh, nothing nothing to to say bad about it but I love being able to talk about stuff that is close to my heart and 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 share it with people who have questions, you know, and, and, and maybe thinking of things like this themselves. And now it gives them hopefully the opportunity to, uh, explore it more themselves and find it, how it applies for their, for their lives. It's not that we're saying, well, this is how you have to do it in order sure. to achieve the certain result. This is just, again, two heathens from different spectrums, different p- parts of the country, different stages of their journeys, uh, talking and sharing about things that, that can hopefully help, you know, be a, be a, be a guide.
1: Yeah. But you know, the more resources you can put out there, the better, because you know a lot of people once again do not have a community, do not have someone with years of experience they can ask. So they go looking for YouTube videos, they go looking for podcasts. I don't know how many times I've had people say, you know, okay, the books are great, but you know, I learn better through like videos and podcasts and things like that. Do you yeah. have? those you can recommend like yep i have a list you know i these are the ones that maybe avoid because i don't really agree with some of the stuff that they're saying or you know it's questionable for a variety of ways and you know you've got these people they're putting out content that even if i don't agree with every single thing they say they are seem to be stand up people and their information is mostly pretty good so yeah give them a listen think about what they say if you have questions you know fire them my way if you need to or you know mm-hmm. whoever you want to but yeah i think podcast videos like this is a huge important resource on top, of the book, especially for modern practice
0: yeah yeah like i was saying it's 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 one of the rooms being added to this this house of, that's being built right <laughs> yeah, we're using exactly. that analogy a lot and i love it i yeah, love
1: it's, it it's an important part of that house because I it's one of conversational things like this. A lot of people just learn better than they do a very dry academic scholarly book. You know, yeah, they might they might read it, but actually being able to grasp an idea in a way that they can bring it into themselves and their practice a lot of times. Conversational stuff like podcasts, video, things like that, does a better job just on a human level. Those books yeah. are beyond important. You know, I cannot recommend stuff, but if you don't have a community where you can get those also human interactions, stuff like this is just the next best thing because, again, you know, we're humans. There's some things that just work better for you.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm definitely glad that we got a chance to wrap about this um, this particular topic and others I, I think it was a great episode. I hope people that are listening and watching to this uh, now are are finding some some good and useful tips and um, in, 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 in finding a way their own you know to to expand on it so I want to say thank you Bradley for coming on the uh, coming on the podcast today and sharing your thoughts and you know, of course, asking the question to begin with, um, as, as I love it, it's, it's, you know, without people like yourself that are asking questions or that are uh, looking for others opinions, uh, the podcast wouldn't be what it is. Um, so I appreciate the, the the contribution.
1: Yeah, it's been great. Like I said, it a, after hours and hours, obviously, of listening after a couple of years, it, it, it's kind of a little fun and a little surreal to actually be on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a little weird listening to an episode with my voice on it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well uh i I don't want to say that this is you know the the, the first or last, but uh, definitely the first, but hopefully not the last I, I with 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 stuff like this i I leave the the guest with a, an open invitation that if hey something else comes up and you want to talk about it again, uh please hit me up. you know would love to have you back on. I think after what we've talked about today i I would definitely love to have you back on. For future yeah. episodes so if you're ever inclined and want to uh chat for a bit more and put put something out here i would love to have you back
1: and absolutely like i said these things like podcasts these videos they are an invaluable resource for getting good information into the hands of people that really need it you know like I said especially people that don't have community that they can either find or build yet so it's important it is I cannot overstate how important it is that we're out here too,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree i'm'm I'm, I'm glad that I have the opportunity to do this with folks like you um that that share in that interest and that desire to because you know get let's face it like I'm sure you've encountered especially over for as long as you've been uh, practicing heathen you know there's there's plenty of people out here that that see knowledge and and things as this sort of you know treasure that needs to be locked away in an ivory tower and never accessible and uh without extreme means of of uh, trying to achieve it and all that it's like come on dude like lighten up a little bit you know
1: (laughs) or or weaponizing it so yeah oh you don't you don't know that you're you're trash you don't oh am i going to explain it to you am i going to give you resources no i'm not going to do that either i'm just gonna I'm just going to use it to stroke my ego, which might be fun, but three generations from now, when we're all in the mound and it's our descendants doing this, will that have helped anything, really, in the scheme of things? You know, will yeah. that, will our descendants be coming into, will they be coming into a better, fuller, more rounded heathenry?
0: Yeah. Because, like, that the, way? It, it, it's people like that that, are saying what they're saying, like they're doing what they're doing, and almost like trying to make people feel like they're guilting people for not knowing as much as they know. Um, and in the same breath, or in the next sentence, are going, they're they're complaining about why things aren't more like what they want them to be, you know, or or that people aren't adopting these worldviews, or they're not they're not educated enough. Like, well, then you're part of the problem, damn it! Like, yeah. help us out, help us, help one another here, you know? <laughs> like,
1: I like, stop keeping. It, it's that. Like we talked about several times, you know, people who are just fresh coming into the worldview who aren't going to be familiar with terminology and, you know, mental concepts, things like that. And you're just absolutely shooting them down and making them go, oh, this is awful. I do not want to be part of this. Yeah. if, If you act, and I'm not saying you have to like water it down. Or overly sugarcoated, or anything like that. You know, we shouldn't be. We should be very firm, like like on the brother and sister thing. No, I'm not your brother. Yeah. But we also would do better to explain these things and recognize that people can't just flick a switch and sure. change worldviews. It's it's a slow and often painful process. And a lot of people, you know, they face that and they go, I am I going to go through all this misery and money and trouble just, just for people to act like this to me? I don't want that. Yeah. And I can't blame them.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I can't either. You know, it's, it's no wonder that we don't have more, uh, you know, heathens that uh, take this seriously to the degree, you know, everybody's on their own journey. Everybody wants to do it their way or, or whatever. But again, some of the core fundamental aspects of it, it's no wonder that, uh, you know, people that want a community have a hard time finding one.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and it's unfortunate, but I think the best thing we can do is recognizing it and
0: yeah.
1: then just facing it head on for what it yeah.
0: is. Do stuff like this, man. You know, just get out here and and talk about it and and explain, like, hey, you know, the the bad apples don't don't uh, represent the entire bushel.
1: Yeah, and you know. You know? Re- recognizing sometimes you're gonna be in a good position for that stuff. Like uh you know, I am very open about being heathen, whether it's jewelry or just, you know, saying stuff conversationally, people like, oh, are you going to church back? No, I actually I'm a, a Germanic pagan, a Norse pagan, uh explain what that means, or like, I'll wear a shirt with imagery on it like millionaires or, you know, yeah. runestone, things like that, because I recognize that I'm in a better place than a lot of people are to be a resource like that. You know, I'm, I'm a white cis male with an accepting family that works for a company that is not religiously intolerant and who is physically capable of defending himself if necessary. I'm in a good position to kind of be out and open and say, hey, I'm doing a thing. Would you be interested? And being safe. Whereas mm-hmm. I also recognize there are lots of people, you know, one I get a lot is a, a lot of women being afraid to wear mule out in public because, once again, you don't know about, you know, someone who's going to take that the wrong way of a, a guy and assault you or, you know, people whose families aren't accepting and mm. they have to keep that private, but they still want community, but they can't. Look for it as easily as someone like I can, so yeah. it's also an important part of recognizing when you've got some privilege and what you can do, and helping out those people who maybe don't have those same options to
0: build that. Community. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. You know, uh, not everybody has the same things going on in their lives, and I can definitely understand and appreciate why certain people are more private about it, especially with how accessible basic information is to people. Yeah, Social media being a thing, it has its great perks. I mean, obviously stuff like this happens where we can connect um, and then there's a lot of other aspects of it that that make it toxic and terrible for people and they have to f- hide behind anonymity. Or or use monikers and things to disguise themselves out of safety. Yeah, so it's 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 wild, man. Like it's 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 a crazy world yeah. that we live in now, and the conditions I, that I
1: do a, a. It's just about every month I, I miss one month recently because both of my sons are born in July, and that kind of took up my weekends. <laughs> but normally, I do an open park move, where you know it's just I got food. I'm gonna do a small ritual it's open, you're welcome to come, I put it in groups, and I did have a guy come recently uh, that, you know, he very much had to keep it on the download, because the people who own, like, own the company he worked for, were very religious, and he knew that if he, say, wore a Mjolnir, that there would be very serious repercussions for it. So, you know, wow. it's like, I can't put on Facebook, you know, that I'm here or doing this, and I can't wear this or that, but, you know, I'm really glad that this is a thing and I'm really glad to be here. It's great. Know, recognizing that. Yeah. That, that happens more than I would like. Yeah.
0: So then um, we're going to wrap this up here shortly, but um, you're, you're talking really quick, uh, quick, about having monthly park moots. Is this something that you advertise anywhere or that you open publicly in case people that are listening and watching here are in the general vicinity where you are Northeast Oklahoma Uh, or the neighboring surrounding areas that would want to venture out is it is is that something that um, if people followed you or anywhere or or anything like that that they could know about
1: yeah yeah like i said i'll usually make a facebook event and it's it's open so people can join without you know having to know me and they can invite other people and i mean a lot of the facebook groups that are kind of regional you know for pagans or heathens in Oklahoma and Missouri and Arkansas because I'll do it in a uh, Joplin, Missouri, which is pretty close to where I live, but it's one of the larger town verging on cities. Mm-hmm. That's also kind of central. Like it's a 30 minute drive for me, but it's also about that for a lot of other people. So it's kind of that nice middle yeah. ground, but gotcha. uh, yeah, so you can either look me up on, you know, Facebook or anything else. Uh, Brad Shelby should pull it up uh, and you can message me or hit me up about that. One of regional Facebook groups, or you can even probably just look up like Joplin, Missouri, heathen. And because that's, you know, I make sure to use keywords for where it's at, heathen, park, moot, things like that, and yeah. find it. that, But yeah, it's usually one Saturday each month and it's totally open. I provide drinks and food and um, nice. usually some games outside for the kids. It's I do it at a park so there's a bathroom and playground for the kids and it's a covered shelter and just kinda let people get together and see the other people in their community and start building those face to face bombs.
0: That's great. I'll uh, if it's all right with you then um since you have an you know active presence on, on this Facebook and mainly I'll if it's cool with you, I'll, I'll link it in the yeah. description for people and show notes for people that are on that platform as well. And then they can see what you do and, and know about those events whenever you, uh, whenever you post them. Yeah. Cool. I'll do that then. Um, so I'm going to stop the recording here, let everybody else know that, uh, you know, we're, we're done, but if you want to just hang out for a minute after I stop the recording, I'll, I'll, I'll sign off with you separately. Um, but any parting words, anything else besides what we've gone over the last hour and a half ish or however long, uh, anything else you wanted to say to people before we wrap this up?
1: Just that you know, it's been a blast uh, an honor being on a podcast that, like I said, I've been a big fan of for a long time and, uh, just keep getting out there and, and doing it as best you can and building those bonds, uh, reading those really, really dry, long books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's something to be said about them there, you know. Yeah. We're not where we are, uh, just speaking for the two of us. I mean, like we're not where we are uh, for having neglected those, those dry pieces no. of literature. They're, uh, they're, they, they, they do have value. It.
1: They are worth it. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, Brad. Well, thank you so much. And for everybody listening and watching today, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to check the description and show notes of this podcast for the Linktree link that has all of the ways that you can support this podcast. Follow me on all the socials. You can become a patron on patreon you can buy merchandise it's all down there in the link tree link so do be sure to check it out and until we see each other again in the next episode may the gods continue to notice you and may your ancestors smile upon you <laughs>